Hello and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of former strangers, now friends, who are continuing to get to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today we're going to recap season three. We've already done three seasons of this show, Laura. I know. <laughs> Time is a fickle mistress. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Especially right now. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that this is like, you know, 20 something episodes a season. Like we've been releasing, mm-hmm. well, when this releases, we'll have been releasing episodes for like a, over a year and a half. That's true. Yeah. So that's that's a thing. We've gotten into a really good part of the show. Oh, the best part of the show. Yeah. 100%. Season three, I would say front half of season four is probably my favorite. Yeah. This yes. back half of season three, front half of season four is like just the best this show is. Which is not to say that there aren't good episodes on their way past that or stinkers in the middle of it all. Because yeah. there have been and there will continue to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, spoilers. But just overall, <laughs> mm-hmm. fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, this one is... Like, I had no trouble making my notes to kind of, like, recap the season. That mm-hmm. that went fine. But when we got to the part where we kind of rank and rate some things, that got really hard because there's so much good stuff in here. Yes. And this is also the last season that's not compressed. We should probably talk about that a bit because it really mm-hmm. impacts next season. Well, it, well, the rest of the show, really. Because the five-year plan for Babylon 5 in year four, P10, the network that Babylon 5 was on, starts to go under. Mm-hmm. And so season four is seasons four and five compressed into one season. Yeah. And so the pacing dramatically changes instantly once we hit season four. Yeah. And I remember even when I was watching it the first time, like feeling that compression. And it feeling Mm -hmm. weird. And I bet it's going to feel really weird in a streaming environment. It does. You know, I having rewatched the show in 2019 and 2020, I was like aghast at when the end of the Shadow War happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's a really weird spot, right? It felt awkward. It felt very like this is happening. Like something start to align. You're just like, oh, this is it this is the end and then it's over and you're just like what episode am i on and you check and Uh you're just like fuck really (laughs) so fast it felt longer in you know the broadcast tv environment Mm -hmm. when you're having to you're a kid and you're having to wait a whole week uh, you know to to find out what's happening and you think on the episode for the whole week you know Mm mm-hmm you kind of live in it, the last episode. But yeah, in streaming, when you can just binge it so fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it goes so quick. All right. What was your favorite episode of this season? Oh, this was so hard. It was. <laughs> this was hard to choose. I had several candidates written down. Mm-hmm. And I think... And I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious because, you know, we've been recording things a lot ahead. And, you know, it's been obviously a bit since we recorded yeah. some of these since, you know, 
23 episodes in a season. Yeah. I'm curious if my picks actually line up with what I said when we <laughs> reviewed the episode. <laughs> like, looking back over it, I thought about it, and I think I'm going to go with Dust to Dust. Dust to Dust. All mm-hmm. right. Because it does have some of that telepath stuff in it that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had Bester. We love Bester in it. And then we had that whole interesting experience that Jakar had mm-hmm. using the dust and then getting touched by a Vorlon. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's maybe not the flashiest episode. You know, we had War Without End and those were both oh, yeah. fantastic storytelling episodes but i really liked the way things came together in dust to dust and all of the elements that we got within it so that was my pick for favorite episode but i had a few other contenders what about your pick it would be very easy especially after my pontification about how great war without end is Uh to just say it as my pick but it is a two-parter and i don't want to pick one or or two i feel like you need them both together uh-huh. And so I am using this logic to disqualify that from my options. Okay. Also, it's more fun to pick something else, I feel. Uh-huh. There are other episodes this season that are great. And uh, War Without End is like it's parts two and three of my favorite three-parter in all of television. Uh-huh. I just remember being absolutely wowed by it on first viewing in a way that, you know, I know I can never experience again. Yeah. My favorite episode of the season this watch through that wasn't War Without End Mm -hmm. was Passing Through through Gethsemane. Okay. Yeah, that's another strong contender, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good fucking episode. And Mm -hmm. Brad Dourif is just so fucking good. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's that's what I'll go with. Uh, I did flip through, like, I'm sure I've talked about this before. I keep paper notes for every episode of the podcast. Right. And so I have all of my season three notes in the same notebook, and I was able to just kind of like flip through them while preparing for this today. And there's a lot of really good episodes, but Passing Through Gethsemane is the only one where in the note where I make my rating section, I just wrote five out of five. Fuck, this episode is so good. (laughs) That's literally the only note I gave myself to record. And I'm just all like, okay, I remember feeling that that's. That's going to be the one. Yeah, that is a strong episode. The other ones I had written down, I had to end the rock right out because there were strong moments in that. Point of No Return was another strong one that I Mm -hmm. liked. You know, it's the name of the season episode. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a strong episode, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if we talked about our favorites, let's flip the coin. What is your least favorite episode, Jafar? Honestly. Uh huh. I, I flipped through my when I was going through my notes, I'm trying to like, uh, there's a couple that I really didn't like. And I think the one that like, if you were to tell me I'm rewatching season three tomorrow uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I only have 23 hours or whatever, like I have to skip one episode in season <laughs> sure, three. Sure, yeah, I like that. And that's like the thing, like, yeah, I have to watch it all, but you've got to skip one. I'm skipping Ceremonies of Light and Dark. Oh, Okay. Because honestly, I mean, the the terrorist stuff and the, the shooter plot and everything just mm-hmm. kind of hits a bit different. And okay. did I tell you about the scare I had outside the movie theater a couple months ago? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. Okay, so Beth and I went and saw a movie 
And when we walked out of the theater in between some cars right in front of the theater, there was a guy with an assault rifle and like a ski mask and full tack gear. And we like beelined away, got behind some concrete in a parking garage and called the cops. Uh-huh. He was a security guard. What? Just wasn't labeled, right? And like, it was just a crazy moment. And so mm-hmm. obviously everything was okay. You know, nothing, nothing happened. Uh, right. Besides the cops bothering this guy for being an idiot for not wearing a security thing, I hope. Well, and why does security need an assault? I don't know. We're living in a very weird time. It, yeah. Especially we, the time that we're recording this. <laughs> yeah. Don't go to that theater anymore. But uh, yeah. So I suppose that like experience in my life reflecting on this episode in particular uh-huh. has just made me go like, I, I emotionally don't want to deal with this episode. Yeah. So I don't know that it's fair to call it my least favorite for that reason, but it's mm-hmm. definitely the one I'm not revisiting anytime soon. Yeah, least favorite is is hard terminology in this season because so much of it was so strong. Even the episodes that had a weak yeah. like A plot, if you will, there was something interesting going on in the B plot or in the background. Yeah. Well, yeah, know? I mean, we, we talked about it. Gray 17 is like the famous stinker from this season. Yeah. And... Yeah. Even that was a strong 35, 40 minutes of TV, you know, like yeah. Scott was saying. It just kind of fell apart in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. But it the the idea of Grace 17 is Missing is actually pretty good. It was just some execution things that just didn't yeah. work in the end. So, yeah. If I had to pick a least favorite using the air quotes around that, I think I would go with Walkabout. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> but just because the uh the messaging was kind of weird and it it played really strange because you know we've been told that he's got this bad addiction but in walkabout we don't really see it having any yeah. consequences on him yet yeah uh, it feels weirdly yeah. paced and timed knowing how the rest of that storyline goes uh-huh and i really in my mind had walkabout having more of the feel that we got from Franklin's character in um, Shadow Dancing. Mm-hmm. So that was much more interesting in my mind <laughs> that way than the episode that walkabout was. So that would be my, if I only have 22 hours or whatever to watch mm-hmm. the season, I would skip walkabout. Fair enough. And then our last of the three episode picks that we do every one of these is our underdog pick. The one that you were not excited to watch before you watched it, and then it ended up surprising you and you actually enjoyed it. Yeah, this one was really hard for me because I don't know that I had that feeling of not excitement to watch any episode in episode or in of season three. Oh, I did. You did? Okay, well, you go first then. Tell me about it. I think I said this in the episode too. A late delivery from Avalon. Oh, okay. Was one I could that- see that. I remembered not liking, even in my most recent watch through, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually sitting down with it, taking a more critical eye to it. And then also, you know, the context of under which I watched it, which was writing notes for a comedy podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, so that that changes your lens when you're viewing something, you know, knowing I'm going into it to make some jokes. You appreciate some of the moments of levity differently when you're not sitting there like oh get through this because you didn't want to watch it 
you know. So mm-hmm. I I definitely say a late delivery from Avalon won me over this time compared to previous okay. watchings. I mean, I unashamedly loved a late delivery from Avalon the whole time. <laughs> that was one of my favorites as a child, and I was excited to watch it again. So I can't like underdog that one. <laughs> but I can see why it was for you. I think, you know, if I have to pick an underdog, I think maybe Convictions was one I didn't feel as excited about. Okay. You know, the the bomber plots, again, kind of like the uh, shooter plot that you pointed out in Ceremonies of Light and Dark. You know, sometimes they just hit a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, you know, that what year did this come out? Was it 90? Season three was 96. Okay, so 95 and 96. So that was a point in time in 95 that Oklahoma City went through a a big one of those, a big bombing plot. So I don't know, you know, just knowing that this was in the zeitgeist and being talked about at the same time is kind of a weird feeling for me. So mm-hmm. not excited about Conviction's bomber plot, but it also has in it the, you know, little B story about Jakar and Londo being stuck in the elevator. Yeah. And we get to see that, like, dynamic. And it sets up a big, big character change for Jakar. Because we see him just like cackling with delight over Londo's imminent demise mm-hmm. and uh, not minding that it also means his own imminent demise. And then he changes a lot by the yeah. end of the season. So I think for me, Convictions surprised me a little bit and I would call it an underdog for that. All right. So we haven't done this before, but we were talking about it doing a little recap of the races. So just kind of like where we're at right now with all of the major galactic players. Yeah. To set that stage a little bit for season four. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's very, very important going forward. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. So season three, the Narn are defeated, remain defeated, remain occupied and the big change for them over this course of the season was definitely in Jakar. Mm-hmm. Um, as their leader, uh, he got solidified in that role. It feels like season two, he got challenged a lot more. And then by the time season three was coming around, that was over. Yeah, definitely he's by really the end grown of the into it. And then his change through his experience in Dust to Dust changes the trajectory of the entire species. Yeah. And we actually get to see, you know, Narn homeworld on the ground a little bit at the Mm -hmm. end of the season. And the rock cried out. We see some of that, like, redness to the air, the actual devastation on the ground. We see a little Mm -hmm. bit of the, like, tunnels that they're kind of having to resort to moving around in because it's not safe to breathe outside. So we Mm -hmm. get a real, a better feel for what the mass driver meant. You know, there was a lot yeah. of, sh- of telling us about what mass drivers do, and now we got to see a little bit of showing. I still would have loved to see more, but that's something that we could get today mm-hmm. with our computer graphics and such, but maybe not as much back then. <laughs> and then the flip side of the the coin would be what's going on with the Centauri. Yeah. So I think that what we're told about the Centauri or what we see about the Centauri happens a lot through the Rifa Londo conflict. Yeah. 
Yeah, we see a lot of that, like, instability, these old powers still jockeying for positions. We know there's a new emperor because Emperor Turin was Mm -hmm. passed away in a previous season. But we haven't met the new emperor yet. No, we haven't. We haven't met Kartaja yet, but we've heard his name now. Yeah. We know he's in charge, so. We get some of the, like, real flavor for that old civilization through Lindesty mm-hmm. in the season yeah. two. Yeah. Oh, I had forgotten about Lindesty. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> she really gives us that nasty racist flavor. And then we see that it's not just like an attitude that's being espoused by Londo. Cause we've seen Londo espouse this attitude. And we've also seen Veer mm-hmm. kind of push back on it a little yes. bit. But then we get this outside character entirely who is a, you know, very pretty young lady who has some really ugly ideas. Yes. She is... Ugh. We don't do a worst character, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have, though, right? She she is... She'd be near the top of that list for me. Yeah. She's a special kind of evil and... Yes. Yeah, the, the the so evil I didn't notice I was evil. Mm-hmm. The uh, Captain Crunch, oops, all evil. <laughs> of, Definitely. Of personality types. Ugh. I think she's a great example, though. If you wanted to, like, sum up the Centauri race really quickly, which I think maybe JMS was trying to do that, like, give us a a quick summation of yeah. everybody else outside of Londo and Veer. What's what's the the mood on the ground like? Lindesty. Yeah. She's it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that would bring us over to we can talk about the Mimbari. Sure. The Mimbari low key a lot happened for nothing happening this season. Yeah. There's a lot of St- set staging for the Mimbari for a future storyline mm-hmm. um, about the uh, attitudes and the the changes in their culture coming out of season two with the Great Council disbanding, which I think was at the end of season. I two-ish. think so. I think at this point we're we have that internal division already throughout season three. Yeah, um, if not, it was very early season three, but it's just uh, it's about the the wedge that's being driven in their culture between the religious and the warrior cast. Mm-hmm. And so we get a little bit of background on those things that are happening here and there. Uh-huh. We get a lot of origin story. Yes. Minbari. Yes, we do get, yes, we get a very important piece of their, or the most important piece of their history. <laughs> Indeed. We, we find all about Minbari Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We know him a little bit better than you expected. Yeah, yeah. And that that origin story, too, we find out, you know, more about what the first Shadow War was like. So mm-hmm. we get not only Mimbari stuff, but we find out a little more about the first ones because we know about Vorlon involvement with the Mimbari way back. And mm-hmm. then we also know what the Shadows were kind of up to because Delenn's got some records about how they conducted the war that the Mimbari remember. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. We we have internal division 
with the Minbari, you know, between the warrior caste and the religious caste. And as far as we know, there's not really any outside involvement in that internal division, right? It's just a thing that's happening. They're schisming themselves. But when you look at the humans, there is a lot of internal division as well, we find out very early in the season. And it's not all just humans being humans. No, we find out about the Shadows and Psychor and all of President Clark's machinations in full Yeah. Uh, by the end of season two and the start of season three, which leads to the martial law and then the colonies rebelling and then yeah. Babylon 5 splitting off. And then after Babylon 5 splits off, there's like one or two little mentions of like things back home here or there. But mm-hmm. they do a really good job of making Earth feel very distant. Mm-hmm. Especially because we have alien ships around Babylon 5 that we see, like, defending that neutrality. And so we don't just see any more, like, Earth cruisers trying to roll up and, you know, institute that martial law again or something. So it leads to a very different feeling when you think about Earth now Uh compared to Earth then. Because it's not that humans as a species are the bad guy, but EarthGov definitely is. Yeah, it's crawling with bad guys, as far as we know. Yeah. Because we've seen Mr. Morden in their offices. Yeah. And we know what Mr. Morden's all about. Yeah. So it's a very interesting juxtaposition. Uh, it's one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about Babylon 5 is it's not humans are not the good guys. Right. Um, it's not just Humans like... are the heroes, for the most uh-huh. part. You know, our senior staff are all human. And obviously there are other main characters that are not, that are good guys, as it were. Mm-hmm. But just that knowing that that exists, that juxtaposition between our senior staff and the rest of the human government and mm-hmm. what you would normally be considering like, oh, well, humanity's kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a lot of shades of gray in this show and yeah. uh, recognizing that we're all complex. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not everything is is a uh, black and white, easy good guys, bad guys. I appreciate that in a, in the narrative. Yeah, and we find out what the fucking shadows are about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I will uh, reference myself. They have a fifteen year old's understanding of someone who's read the dust jacket of Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, we started out this season with them to be very obvious with it. They're in the shadows. They're not open. They're kind of just slinking around in hyperspace, hitting stuff here and there. We know they've helped the Centauri do stuff, but they're not super out there yet. But by the end of the season, we have openly outed them on Zahadoom. And we're also not hiding from them anymore. We were also trying to like hide ourselves our main characters, our major races that knew about them. We're trying to hide their knowledge. No, it's all out on the table now. Yeah. We're ready to All out on the table guys. in a smoking crater. Yeah. And then the Vorlons. Yeah. They finally do something. Indeed. And then fuck off promptly. <laughs> yeah. We, we lost our main representative in an act of self-sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. He agreed to help, knowing that it was going to kill him. Yeah. And then it did. 
and you know we we've seen pieces of him left over so we know that Vorlons aren't necessarily just gone when they die mm-hmm. and we have we've seen the new Vorlon but we haven't seen much of him we've seen him kind of be mean to Lita I think and that's about it yeah not not, Kosh. not what, particularly what do we call him? Kosh point oh. <laughs> yeah Kosh point oh. <laughs> Just a judgmental douchebag who brings up your failures on TV. Kosh.0. <laughs> seems seems legit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that was still so good. I'm so jealous of that wit. That's such a good line. I think that's all the major players. Yeah, that's all the major races. And then, you know, the, the only other, like, group would be the League of Non-Aligned Worlds, right? And we've seen them... Yeah. Actually, kind of coalescing. They're, yeah, they're kind stuff. of the League of Aligned Worlds now. Yeah, good. They're for aligning. Them. Yep. Congrats. Well, we had a bunch of themes this season, like we do every season. Mm-hmm. So we should probably talk about those a minute before we get into some viewer responses. I got two big themes for this season that I wrote down. Yeah. Rising stakes and the payoff. As I'm okay. calling it, TM, TM, TM. <laughs> Rising Stakes is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, we open on, like, Marcus escaping a Centauri-occupied world and end on mm-hmm. Sheridan nuking the Z- Shadow's capital on Zahadoom. Like, yeah. We're just <laughs> the upping the ante. escalates. Yeah. Constantly. Raise it, raise it, raise it. Yeah. But the big thing for this season is the payoff. Because we are finally at a point in the story, being more than halfway, halfway through, where we are answering more questions than we are asking on a regular basis. Uh-huh. And this is how you fucking do television, people. Yeah. The halfway point is when you start answering questions. And you can ask new ones still. Mm-hmm. And the and this show does. But it makes a point of answering more than it's asked. You do this at this point. The uh-huh. midpoint. Yes. Not the last season lost or <laughs> the last two episodes. No names mentioned currently airing sci-fi Star Trek show. Yep. I have had some trouble with this particular show. <laughs> <laughs> I went off on the Discord today. Today <laughs> is the, was the penultimate episode of Picard and there was a Rather lively, spoiler-filled conversation waiting for you after you watch it, Laura. I'm not going to say yeah. anything else. I, I'm staying off the Discord until later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a big major spoiler to say that the season of the final season of Picard has had a lot of questions, and it's taken a while to answer them. I don't think that's spoilers. <laughs> and I mean, there's a ton of shows that do this too. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh yeah. You know, we'll we'll be frustrated by this when we switch over to Battlestar Galactica in a couple years. Yeah. So. It can't be as bad as Picard. <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> I'll say that definitively. Oh well, I mean, I didn't mean that that Picard is bad. I meant that the the tension that they've ramped up and not answering questions has been difficult i'm not gonna put a value judgment on the picard yeah i'm not gonna (laughs) say which is worse currently Uh because picard still has one more episode true you can't so you can't judge yet i can't i can't say that and also i don't want to uh 
ruin anything in Battlestar. I don't want to put a negative taste in your mouth before you watch it. Yeah. Okay. So, themes. Season three. What do you got? Well, I kind of have themes that are maybe sub-themes, because you picked some very nice, big, overarching themes. One thing that I wanted to talk about was, you know, there's a lot of earth entanglement, especially in the first half of the season, mm-hmm. where we see, you know, the, the earth is going full fascist. We see the fascist playbook where we take over the the media that's out there, mm-hmm. really control the narrative. We see our main characters struggle a lot and they lose a lot while they're trying to maintain their own ethics. You know, they lose family back home and, you know, Sheridan's not able to talk to his parents and worries about them. And and it's not just <laughs> the fascism, but we also have the, the telepath angle, mm-hmm. especially because we dipped into that a little bit in book club that we kind of know that, hey, telepaths, not a natural thing. Mm-hmm. And they're becoming a battleground between the older races that yeah. we're seeing hinted at, you know, that they were created to fight the shadows and the shadows have found a way to weaponize them and, and use them. And that's a very vulnerable population in our human species with Earth. And this isn't a plot line that's just going to fizzle out like telepaths no. are are going to be a thing. So they've really laid a lot of groundwork for this. Mm -hmm. So I had that, I had earth entanglements and then, you know, we get so much Mimbari history and that all weaves into earth as well. Just most of earth doesn't know about it yet. So uh, those were some big themes for me. And then we also, you know, we have other season long themes that are, not as um not episode to episode not as defined but we had like franklin's addiction was a big long plot yeah Um, but it was kind of a long walk (laughs) to to borrow from walkabout to get to you know from his original sims problem to his resolution and then it wasn't super satisfying for me so yeah yeah that's a little more of the personal side all right. So we had a little bit of viewer mail. Uh, we're recording on a very accelerated time frame because somebody's about to have a baby. Yeah, this is my fault. <laughs> it, it didn't mean it to point a finger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured it was pretty obvious <laughs> the way it was worked, which one of us was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like any minute now. We should probably hurry up, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah, it might maybe right now. So we, we don't have a ton of feedback, but we did have a couple things we got on the Discord and over email that we want to read about Season 3 or generic thoughts. So Shellac on the Discord. Keep up the good work. It's fun to listen to both of you analyze. Season 3 was the probably the best of B5 at most good at le- and least bad amount of episodes. Mm-hmm. That said, 4 and 5 still have some great episode moments and speeches to come. 100% agree. We talked about this right off the top. Season 3 is just fantastic mm-hmm. yeah and there are going to be some good speeches to come i mm-hmm. agree <laughs> can't wait okay so next we had an email from superfan ben he says hello who are you congratulations on finishing season three it has been an absolute treat going through this season with you as someone who binged the whole show as you all started it's now getting into that memory slash nostalgia zone of thinking back on a show i watched a year ago 
As for season three, I think it's my favorite season. Funny how many sci-fi shows need two seasons of building up steam to get chugging. That's the truth, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we will never know what seasons four and five could have been had they been left to JMS's devices. I can see the promise of season three and how great the show can be when it's telling those great long-term stories. I will agree with the sentiment of the hosts that I just love Marcus. Yeah, we really do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's great. And I feel that he is a great addition to the show, though I do feel a little bit of character bloat as it goes on. Okay. It's hard to find the right balance between a show that has the community level of we've got a deep character roster and we can insert Leonard and Garrett in, any, in at any time and the happy days of we forgot there is an older brother. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah. There are times I can really feel the show straining to give some of our B-team characters things to do. And it can be a really a, really a bummer because the characters are so well-written for the most part that when Veer, Lanier, Alan, or Tali and Lita get some short shrift, it can be a bummer. Why we get a boxing episode and not a day in the life of our three aides is such a bummer for me. That's a crime. Right. We should have had a day in the life of them. Why Natoth just disappears and is uncommented on for so long is a bummer. And while I know he's a favorite punching bag, I do actually miss Kiefer because I appreciate having human characters doing their specific jobs. With Sinclair, it made sense for him to lead a fighter wing, but when it's, we need to have a small space battle, I guess the chief of police is in charge now. (laughs) Feels crazy in a well-defined world such as B5. Yeah, yeah. This isn't Trek where we can just put anyone in a shuttle and have a space battle. It's supposed to be a structured, regimented world, and having a former capital ship commander jump in a fighter feels weird. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. In conclusion, I'm so very excited for season four and and five when we can look back and no longer ask, who are you? But what happened to her? Sincerely, Ben. And we have one more letter from Francis. Loving the pod. Thanks so much for sharing your creation with us. I was listening to your episodes, Shenanigans Potential, and you were discussing a never-shot scene where Lando approaches Jakar with his plan for Lord Rifa's betrayal. Uh You were also wondering the timeline of when Jakar knew the full plan. On my rewatch, I noticed a bit of great acting done when Veer approaches Jakar's door. Jakar's face goes from recognition to disappointment to annoyance in less than a second as he waves Veer into the room. My mind immediately whispered, he knows like a Romulan <laughs> discovering a doctored hologram. Anyways, hope you're all well. Keep them coming and I'll keep listening. Francis adventure Maximus. This is a signature. Name. Yeah. Adventure Maximus. I like that. That's cute. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you Very nice. for the letter. Everyone. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. I'm sorry. We didn't have as much time to let everybody know this time. Yeah. I think we even called it, we probably called it on the air a little early that we thought by this time this was airing, we would have already recorded this episode. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. Sometimes right. time is weird. We have one last bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this the most episode. important bit. <laughs> I, it's my favorite part of these season recap episodes, and it's who is the one where we're going to run down a list and say our one thing for the season that falls into whatever we had just previously defined yeah some little categories and we start with who is the one best reoccurring character there's 
a lot of contenders for this. There are. Yeah, we get a lot of repeats. And so I'm going to pick the one that won't be coming back. And that's Kosh. Oh, okay. Because this is really the season where Kosh's like random bullshit thought speech vomit actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and you're like, wait, it actually made sense the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, it's so good. Yeah, Kosh had a real moment this season. And he sure kept, did. even after he was gone, he kept showing back up because there's that piece <laughs> that we kept hearing from, you know. Mm-hmm. I picked a, another best recurring character that I think is also not coming back. I'm not 100% sure. You've seen it more recently than I have. But I think Brother Theo's not coming back in season four. I don't remember. Yeah, I could be wrong. So please don't hop all over me, guys, if (laughs) I didn't remember (laughs) this correctly. But I feel like this might be it for Brother Theo. And I, I, you know, I wanted almost more Brother Theo. Like, Mm -hmm. we could have used him and... and, uh, developed him a little bit more but he was such a fun actor very interesting the monks themselves were such a cool idea to be on babylon 5 Mm -hmm. um so i give best recurring to brother theo i appreciate him all right what's up next who is the one character with the most growth yeah well um in in my opinion most growth i have to give to jakar yeah, especially for that transformation from who we saw him in convictions all the way to, I think, shadow dancing is where we get a really good moment with yeah, him. And the rock cried out. Yeah. Yeah. And the rock cried out and, and then into shadow dancing, because I think in the and the rock cried out, obviously, we know what he's up to. He's not beating yeah. Rifa to death, but <laughs> not not beating Rifa to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I think I think we get him like leading some ships in to help the battle and shadow dancing. Yeah. I might be mixing up my episodes. I'm sorry if I am, but he definitely point... comes in to save the day in an iron heavy cruiser at one exactly. point. Exactly. Yes. So I feel like the man that he was in convictions versus the man he is at the end, very, very different. And yeah. obviously it was a little bit of a drug trip and it was a little bit of a touch by a Vorlon, but you know, he's <laughs> he's had some major epiphanies. For sure. I knew you were going to pick Jakar. Uh-huh. And I agree with Jakar as a choice. Yeah. But I wanted to have another name ready. I totally understand, yeah. So I'm going with Sheridan. Okay. Tell us about Sheridan's growth. He really comes into his own this season. You know, he comes in and he's fed up that he's just like this guy who's commanded like deep space exploration vessels of like a hundred people. And now he's running a city of a quarter million people. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're very different jobs that require very different skill sets. Oh, and sure. the only reason he's here is because the president thinks he's a war hawk. Yeah. Ouch. Right. Yeah. And he, he's not, he hates that. He yeah. hates that reputation. And so knowing that makes it even worse. And he really starts to, deal with it in season two but season three is like he steps into the role he becomes the leader of not just babylon five and not just the city but of the intergalactic alliance you know the army of light Mm -hmm. and so that transformation really happens 
here turns him into the person that he will be for seasons four and five. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the growth that he experiences in this season, he is not the person he needs to be for later. Yeah, totally. Totally. I buy that too. All right. Okay. Who is the one best guest actor that you had for this season? I will wholly admit that I'm probably a little bit inspired by the events of that earlier mentioned show. Uh And this is the teensiest spoiler. And so I'm so sorry. (laughs) But obviously, you know, Brad Dourif was great. But I'm going to give it to Majel Barrett. Oh, yeah. The, hearing the whole story about why she like made a point of coming on Babylon 5, uh, yes. reaching out to JMS, being like, no, sci-fi nerds are fa- family. Like, we should not be fighting. There shouldn't be the stupid Star Trek Babylon 5 thing. I'm going to go on yeah. Babylon 5 because it will make the statement. And then also just, like, the part she plays and the character is a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. she does probably some of the best acting work in her career, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I mean, Luxwana's fun when she shows up, but as a character, the acting's a bit rough, if I'm being needlessly mean about it. Uh-huh. But she really does a good job with the acting in this one, I felt. Mm-hmm. So that's my pick for best guest actor. Yeah, I, I wrote down two here because I thought mm-hmm. if Jafar picks one of these, I'll pick the other. Nice. And of course, Majel Barrett was one of my two. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I want us to have stuff to talk about and not just agree with each other all the time. Yeah. So I will pick Michael York for his appearance mm-hmm. as King Arthur. Because <laughs> I love Michael York. <laughs> he does great. He does great. And he brings out such a beautiful fun side of Jakar and we get to mm-hmm. see him and Andreas just ham it up and you know destroy some bad guys and then drink and have fun mm-hmm. it was it was very touching I really enjoyed that but yes Majel Barrett was very important and I really appreciate her you know not stoking the, the fires between fandoms yeah that's very mature and I like that about her but Michael York also gave us a wonderful performance and then, of course, my runner-up was Brad Dourif for Passing yeah. Through Gethsemane, because that episode was great. He was great. It, he's great. It's, it's a great episode. I've already given the accolades like to that episode, so uh-huh. I wasn't going to do it twice. Yeah. Which I say right before best one-off character, my pick is King Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> because Michael York was <laughs> fucking great. And the the character is also just so interesting to me. Because, like, best guest actor and best one-off character are pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about topics. And, like, I will say Major Barrett's character, not particularly interesting, but great job with the acting and mm-hmm. everything else around it. But King Arthur as the character. Yeah. So fucking interesting to me. Yeah. But Michael York is also excellent in that role. Honestly, I got a very similar vibe from a completely different and unrelated piece of media recently from when Michael York when Michael York was on that episode. There is a game show on Dropout, which is the streaming service that came from the ashes of college humor. Huh. Okay. Um, called Game Changer. 
And it is a game show where the game changes every time. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's great. And it's one of the best. It's definitely the best game show I've probably ever watched. It's excellent. And part of the game is figuring out what's going on. And there was an episode in season three where all of the people that were on it were like, oh, of the college humor people, you're the best actors, right? Mm-hmm. So do this scene for me. And they all do the scene. And then he's all like, oh, well, the twist this time is, surprise, here's Juan Carlo Esposito, who's going to do all of these scenes you just did. And Uh then based off how much better he does them than you, I'm deducting points from each of you. Oh, no. (laughs) And what you see happen very quickly are these three people who are not, I mean, Juan Carlo Esposito is an excellent actor, like Mm -hmm. a, a, a real master of his craft, right? And the college humor people are goodish. Yeah. Yeah. But they start kind of miserably. You know, like their first takes before they see Juan Carlos Esposito do them are not great. And over yeah. the progression of the episode, you see each of them elevate their acting craft just from watching him do the same stuff as them. Yeah, yeah. And it felt a lot like you know, you hear actors talk about how a great actor can bring out the best acting ability of everyone around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Andreas is a great actor. Mm-hmm. But working with Michael York, yes, the two of them playing off each other, like you said, it's that elevation. It's that when you're working mm-hmm. with someone who's that much of a master of their craft that it just brings everyone around them up. And it definitely felt like that in that episode where everyone's acting just got better after that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also with Marcus, he had a lot to do with Marcus in that episode too. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you see it in both of them, Jason Carter and Andreas. Yeah. So yeah, I, I also <laughs> couldn't help myself and best one off character. I just wrote down King Arthur. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't even... It's great. <laughs> I couldn't, yeah. couldn't come up with a better one. Cause it is so memorable. I remembered everything about that season. And I love a, a nice historical legend tie-in to a sci-fi plot. Like yeah. bringing that that property, that intellectual thought that's been around for, you know, hundreds of years and bringing it into our modern tales. It's just fun. I always mm-hmm. love that. And it felt so much better than when it was Jack the Ripper in season two. Yeah, that didn't feel good. That one felt kind of icky. <laughs> This one was a feel good, <laughs> even For though we did deal sure. with like a heavy post-traumatic stress disorder kind of topic. We got there by kind of like swords and stuff. And that was kind of fun. So, mm-hmm. What was your one favorite bit this season? My favorite bit was Marcus and Ivanova's breakfast. Oh, yeah, And okay. all of the like little stuff around that with like, the flower going to the wrong plate, all of the Mm -hmm. stuff around that, that whole comedy of errors Mm -hmm. over the course of, was it one episode or two even? I think it picks, I think it ends one, picks up as the cold open (laughs) in the next one. That whole thing with Marcus and Ivanova is my favorite bit of the season. They're great. That's a really fun bit. I think that's probably... I don't know. I'm I'm not going to say something else because it might be your bit. I feel like I was going to say you really scared me because my bit that was my favorite was the pillows. 
Ivanova and the bed. Yep. The Minbari beds and the pillows. And you started out with Marcus and Ivanova. And I thought, oh, no, he's stolen my bit. (laughs) I honestly, I was going to bring that up as the second half. And I saw the look on your face and I'm all like, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 nope, stop. Okay. (laughs) I love a little bit of physical comedy sometimes, especially because that was kind of like a heavy thing we were out there doing, right? We were scouting for shadows and it was very tense. And, you know, we've got this bed that she winds up totally sliding off of and it's a good little physical comedy ad. Um, Yeah, I feel like Babylon 5 adds good comedy sometimes and that was my favorite like physical moment and honestly i haven't seen it but ryan because that was the episode with yum yum ryan had mentioned that like he's got the widescreen dvds and uh-huh. you see the page lift the bed to like yeah. knock Ivana down out just out of frame oh i need to see it yeah it's just so good <laughs> yeah all right do you have a best stepdad moment yeah, I know that the, we we came up with this idea out of, you know, we had the best Sinclair dad moment, mm-hmm. and then we had stepdad show up on the scene, Yeah, um, and maybe he's not feeling as stepdaddy anymore, but... I would agree. Yeah. Like, he's, he's growing into something else, right? But mm-hmm. I think there's a good stepdadish moment that comes up early in the season, and that would be toward the end of the episode passing through Gethsemane when brother Theo brings in the new monk who Mm -hmm. is the mind wiped criminal who tortured and destroyed Brad Dourif. Yeah. uh, Who, you know, Sheridan had gotten to feel rather protective of that little monk and yeah, he has to deal with some big feelings really fast about this new monk and mm-hmm. brother Theo sort of reminds him, like, this is this is what we do. Like, you know, he is not the same person anymore. He's forgiven. He's a monk now. And, you know, kind of you're going to have to deal with it, Sheridan. And I, I thought that was a big sort of moment, you know, that stepdads might have where they have to confront something. Mm-hmm. And they don't like it, you know, but they've they've got to grow in a big way. And I think he does in that, from that moment. So that would be my stepdad moment. What about yours? I don't have a stepdad moment. Okay. uh, Because I don't think he's stepdad anymore. I think he's, I think he's dad now. Okay. But I also didn't pick a best dad moment. Um, I picked a best widowed dad going on an awkward date moment. Okay. Yeah. There's that too. Uh, which is like when he's with Delenn and Delenn's talking about her dad not being able to pick her up anymore. Yeah. I think trying to keep in the spirit of it, I feel like that was as close as we got where he, you know, it's kind of like the, the getting out there again and the opening yourself up to someone and then having someone open themselves up in return. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a thing. That's a definitely right. a, a divorced or widowed dad kind of moment. vibe. Yeah. 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 Do you have a one moment that you wished Sinclair was here? It's not really a moment, but it was a whole subplot and it's walkabout. Okay. Uh, All right. Because honestly, 
does walkabout even happen or does Sinclair just be all like, hey, Franklin, knock off the fucking stims before <laughs> it's even a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Does that's he have the hard conversation and not ignore he, the problem? Yes, because Sheridan will ignore a problem that's not the most pressing problem in front of him. If everything's running okay, then there must not be anything wrong with it. That's yeah. Sheridan's way. Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah. But also Sinclair was a lot more personally involved with people mm -hmm. they definitely the senior staff felt less like subordinates to sinclair than they do sheridan and so i think he would have taken a more active personal role yeah in franklin's life and seen the problem and been all like hey you need to knock it the fuck off and it would either not have gotten to the point where it was a problem or it would have been handled much more succinctly and differently Okay. Rather than Franklin feeling like he needs to fuck off for a month and a half. Yeah. I think they tried to get some of that feeling with Garibaldi, but Garibaldi mm -hmm. is no Sinclair. Yeah. How about you? What moment do you wish Sinclair was here for? I... Besides the moments he was. <laughs> Besides the moments he was. Just give me give me that whole episode all over again. No, I kind of wished that we had we had Sinclair when we we're going through the stuff in Severed Dreams. Where okay. we're getting the bombing of Mars. Mm. <laughs> because Garibaldi and Sinclair seem to have a little bit more personal historical connection to Mars. Yeah. Than Sheridan. I think we get Sheridan mentioning like some friends. Qu quotation marks. Because we made some jokes about what kind of friends those were on <laughs> Mars. But it's not as personal as we know Garibaldi and Sinclair have been there and... I believe it was where they met. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and they were you know, stationed we, there. We even have the story about them being like on the surface of Mars and seeing the shadow ship. Mm -hmm. The whole deal. Rising yeah. there. So I feel like that the bombing of Mars plot might have felt a little more personal if we had Sinclair and his touch there. Mm -hmm. Again, they tried to give it to us through Garibaldi and Garibaldi worrying about his ex-girlfriend there or whatever. But um, yeah. Yeah, I just I just wanted Sinclair for that. Maybe more of emotional impact. Good call. All right. Well, that's season three. We made it. We made it. We'll be back next week with Book Club. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm not done yet, but I will be before we get there. <laughs> I, I have already read more of this one than I did last one. And I don't want to be the guy who's got a book club segment on his podcast and he's never finished the fucking book. So I'm going to really try. Yeah. Well, this one's all about Baby Bester so far. Yes. So. I, I, he is, uh, I'm past that part, actually. Yeah. He's not a baby anymore, but I, I feel like, you know, Bester's what in the show, like in his 70s, is what we calculated. Yeah, he's he is older than, well, I, I mean he's older than Walter Koenig, but yeah. not by much. I think is what we came out to. Mm -hmm. uh, Bester is like I want to say, in his late teens, possibly early twenties, where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think we're about at the same spot then. Okay. Yeah, but that's still um, a baby. <laughs> we're in our I mean, we're in yeah. our late thirties now. We can call them babies. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week, and then we're going to go on a break, and then we'll be back with season four. Yeah, I'm excited. 
We're going to get some really exciting episodes. Thank you to Jeremy Siegel, who still hasn't accepted my friend request on Facebook. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being snubbed. <laughs> A little bit. Feels like it. He even liked something the other day, and I had to check with Ben to see if that was the episode I called him out on the air about it, and it wasn't. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> nah, I don't. I think that yet. one just is either hit this week or next week. It's fine, Jeremy. Really, yeah. it's just it's funny to me at this point. Uh, right. But thank you for our lovely theme music. Really do appreciate you a great deal. Uh, you can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com and on Spotify as Nuclear Jaguar, and listen to those monthly album challenges. They're great. Yeah. At this point, I think he has three out. I think we've got January, February, and March at this point. Yeah. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thank you to Yum Yum Podcast, Ryan and Rachel, and then Scott from Gray 17 for joining us this season. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we already talked a bit about where I think we've already got an episode picked out for Scott to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Ben's going to be joining us. In a couple episodes into season four. Yeah. Yum yum. We'd love to have you guys back. That was excellent. Any of our fellow League of Non-Aligned podcasts, if you've listened to this podcast and you want to be on ours, we'd love to have you. Mm -hmm. Come and talk about your show for a bit and just, you know, the B5 community in general. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. And then uh, all of our fans, the people who listen to this podcast every week, the people who interact on our Discord and talk shit about Picard season three with me. I appreciate the shit out of all of you. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. It's a crazy thing to think about. It's very surreal sometimes. So we really appreciate the community. Thank you so much. You know, recommend us to a friend if you think they want to listen to us blab on about Babylon 5 like you do. You know, some reviews on your favorite podcatcher. You know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It makes a world of difference to us. So thank you so much for all of it. Yeah. And last but not least, thank you to Aaron for editing this episode, because it's going to be a little tough in spots. Doozy. We said our password out loud. It's a problem. Hopefully that's not in the final cut. Thanks. (laughs) All right. So we'll be back with Book Club and then season four of Babylon 5. A couple weeks after that. Yeah. Take care, Aaron. Have a good one. Bye.